When I lived in Paris, I used to date a Frenchie. He's not that relevant in my story, but his mother, on the other hand, touched my life and inspired me in many, many different ways. Jacqueline. She was one of a kind. She was, you know, one of those true force of nature, free soul, intelligent, strong, stylish, and totally able to question every single doctrine that life had taught her in her youth. She was amazing. The first time I met Jacqueline, right, I'm going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell about this. The first time I met Jacqueline was when I woke up at their house and I was trying to sneak out in the morning because, well, you know, I had spent a night in her son's, you know, room. <laughs> and basically, I was like, I heard her waking up and she was not supposed to wake up that early. I was like, oh, my God, it's horrible. And anyhow. So I got ready and literally I was trying to tiptoe my way out. And then, you know, I had this glimpse of her. She had this Japanese kimono on her and she was drinking coffee in her little Parisian tiny kitchen and she had the newspaper on the table. And I was just right about to leave and she poked her head out of the kitchen with a thanks God, warm smile. And (laughs) then she said, would you like a coffee? And like my heart dropped. I was probably like not red, purple. And me, 23 years old, like I just said, yeah, sure. I would love to. (laughs) And like literally praying that moment just like got deleted from her brain. But we then afterwards, after years and years after, we made so much fun of me together about that moment. So she said to me, of course, my, you know, my misery didn't end it at that moment. So she said to me, grab a mug. And I grabbed the mug and she smiled and said, oh, you know, the kitchen better than me. I was like, fuck, I couldn't do it worse, you know. And anyhow, somehow she put me at ease and we started to chat. You know, she was one of those really interesting and also interested women. And um, she was, you know, a well of knowledge and inspiration. She has represented everything that I wanted to become back then. Like she had troubled the world. She was working in a very high position. She had worked for different industries representing France in different really political environments. So she was like, you know, she was really a strong model for me. I was literally compelled. I was in love. And uh, the next seven, eight years of my life, she became a mother, a big sister. You know, she was a great friend and a confidant for me. And I can say now that she broke me free from so many mental barriers that I had back then. Welcome to the She Is Awesome podcast, the home for women business owners filled with extraordinary stories, giggles, and thoughtful conversations, offering inspiring takeaways for your life and your business. 
Hello, 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 my friend. This is Jay, your host, and you are on the She's Awesome podcast. Today, I will talk about something that is really, really important, our mental barriers. And the reason why I talk about this is because we're still on this vibe of dreaming big, acting bold, and I just cannot match a brain that has mental barriers with being able to dream big. So, you know, I'm just going to talk about this topic. You know, what are the mental barriers? I guess those are like belief systems that, you know, they are not helping you, but you can't shake them off. You intuitively kind of feel and know that they slow you down, make you small, fire up your fears and doubts. But somehow they're always there. You know, the mental barriers that you have set from maybe very little, you know, they were thought to you, you learned them. And back then, they were just great models that you taught kept you safe or loved or accepted or belonged, you know. But now they do not serve you and they make you struggle for the smallest achievements. So today's topic is about them and is about understanding how do we build them, why do we live with them and how do we break them. And I'm going to take you back to my story with Jacqueline. So the first time Jacqueline made me question one of my mental models was actually a very benign and kind of small moment. But when I look back, I think it was a very big representative moment in my life. So basically, we were emptying the dishwasher in her house. So we're emptying her dishwasher. And, you know, in my house... When I grew up, the standards of cleanliness, tidiness, and expectations around that were very, very, very high. Hence why our glass cupboard in the kitchen was like Chinese army. You know, all the glasses were laid out with their kinds and millimetrically organized. You know, it was like that glass goes there. If it goes on to another place, then we have war in the house. So it was like a true military regiment in the glass department. In Jacqueline's house, everything was allowed to be messy, you know, and it started with the glass cupboard. (laughs) All the glasses were all over the place. You know, everything was mixed up. There were single glasses and then there were some of them that were look like. I mean, it was like she bought every single glass, like one at a time from a different shop, a different world, you know. And while we were emptying the dishwasher, I started to reorganize it all. And it was almost like an obsessive, uncontrolled thing. I didn't do it like on purpose or to, you know, I didn't even think about it. I was just doing it. And then she just said, oh, don't worry about it. It will be messy tomorrow again. So just stuff the glasses wherever it fits. And I was like, oh, okay. And then she said, that in her mom's house, it was very organized like mine. And the first thing that she decided to do when she had her first house was to be messy. I was like, oh, okay. Like we can decide to do that. You know, I had never even thought about it. And then we had a very long conversation around what those unnecessary housework represented for women. 
and why we women should spend that valuable time, the most precious source that we will ever have in this lifetime, to have fun, enjoy life, educate ourselves, do basically something worthy of doing. And then she asked me a simple question. She said, what's in it for you to tidy the glass cover? And I was thinking, well, logically and rationally, there is nothing in it for me. I mean, first of all, my glass cupboard was tiny back then. So like, you know, I didn't even need to tidy it. So I was like, it's true. What's in it for me? Nothing. There's absolutely no good reason to spend my time in tidying the glass cupboard. And since then, I never tidied my glass cupboard. I'm so happy. I have a very messy glass cupboard with single glasses that come from all over the world. (laughs) It's just, it's almost like a symbol of freedom for me. I know it's a very, very lame symbol, but it's a symbol. You know, this was Jacqueline's first step in undoing all the nuts in my head. You know, with her, I was able to talk about everything, money, friendship, family, work, her son, loyalty, relationship, sex, like anything. And one by one, she asked me questions that really made me think about all those learned beliefs that felt safe, but that were actually working against me. You know, all those models that I had copy pasted from my youth, mainly probably from my mother or older women around me. And don't forget, you know, I come from Turkish background. I grew up in Turkey, although I was fortunate enough to be surrounded by really progressivist women. They were progressivist in Turkey. So, All those thought processes, beliefs, things that are related to guilt, shame, anything, they were absolutely not valid in my new life and I was still carrying them. So yeah, she really helped me look, see, taste and live a different way of life. So this year, March 18th, we lost Jacqueline to cancer. You know, cancer is a bitch. And losing someone hurts like hell. Losing her was one of the most painful experiences. Yet, I can't thank my life and luck enough to put all the odds together to let me see her one last time. Twelve hours prior to her passing, I was able to say my goodbyes. And even in her deathbed, even half-conscious, she unlocked models and barriers that I had about death and life. I could never think that saying goodbye to someone that I respected and loved and, and cherished would be such a beautiful and magical, painful, yes, but magically empowering moment. Rest in peace, Jacqueline. You will be forever in my heart. So why did I share this with you? You know, such a personal story on a podcast. Because other people are the key to unblocking your mental models. And I will tell you how. So 
Last week, during a coaching session, one of my clients said to me, it's my mom. All my anxieties and fears around money comes from her, right? I don't know how to break this. And we had a long chat. Look, I'm not a counselor. I'm not a psychotherapist. I'm not even a money mindset coach. And I told her, look, I'm not going to give you a coaching session here about this because I don't think that they are really... I would say, coaching-related situation. It's really deeply, you know, anchored in our psyche. And don't get me wrong, you know, money stresses everyone. But in her case, the first action that we had taken two years ago was to build her a strong cash flow. So her business actually is in a good place with big buffer in the bank. Yet, unless she earns enough to break even as of the first week of the month, she starts to panic. In the meantime, I know other entrepreneurs in much vulnerable place in their businesses who will be, you know, taking risks to grow and they will grow easier and faster. So that fear is seeded in her. And she comes from a modest family with a narrative of scarcity in the background. So it is really difficult to break that fear, that anxiety, and that model for her. I'll give you another example from my family. So my parents, I have mentioned this in this podcast, had a mid-sized business that they exited a couple of years ago. And they have done an amazing job, you know, but with both of them working on that business, their butts off for about 20 years. I know that they could have done times 10, right? But they were both raised in, you know, civil servant families with pretty conservative views on trusting people or leading people. They were really micromanagerial bosses. And on top of it, they passed their youth in a politically dangerous and unsafe climate in Turkey where they learned to never trust people. And the thing is, trusting is the first principle of building teams and growing them, right? Because if you don't trust, they will not trust. And that's the breakdown. They could only create a seed team that kept all in check for one business, one agency, where they were always there and checking on the team, but they could not take the risk to trust more people to multiply the model and let them go and let them grow, right? So they stayed smaller than what they could have done. So I can give you 500 stories, literally, and examples of mental models that you have learned when you were young, that were associated with being safe, good, loved, accepted, belonged, etc., etc., and now they became your barriers, right? They make you small, they make you struggle for better. And listen, you know them, you can feel them. You know, most likely they are around money. You know, you need to work hard to earn money is the most common one. Or money doesn't grow on trees. You become rich only if you don't spend money. Or you must have some around, you know, working life. Working must be hard and strenuous. If you're enjoying it too much, it means you are not working enough, right? You know, like you're not doing enough. Or to be loved, valued, appreciated, you need to work harder. You know, to grow your business, you need to work more. These are the like, concepts that we all have heard 
or some around trust and delegation. Like my parents said, no one can do as good as you can. You need to supervise your team. You need to be there if you want your business to be safe or, you know, it's more difficult to tell someone how to do than doing it yourself. These are actually mental models. These are beliefs that were given to you and you accepted them when you were young enough to not know better. Now, you got to check in and see if they're really working for you. There are some around time, you know, how you spend your time. Unless you spend a good amount of time working, you will never get there. You should not take time off or very limited time off. You should not enjoy life with your time. You know, you got to be serious around time. You know, there are tons and you know that. So the question is, what do you do about them? How do you get out of it? You know, how do you get out of it to literally feel free to achieve greatness, to be able to dream bigger and act bolder? Because how are you going to dream bigger if you have any of those types of barriers? Look, the thing is, years and years of conditioning, believing something is not easy to shake off. Like my example about the, you know, glass cupboard, it was easy, right? It was easy because it's a fucking glass cupboard. And actually, even that took me a few times to remind myself that I don't have to actually, you know, be millimetric about (laughs) putting the fucking glasses in the cupboard. So even that small thing took me a little bit time. Imagine. Imagine bigger things like, oh, you need to invest in growing your business, but you don't have that much money and you're in the scarcity mindset because you grew up in it. So you are full of fear and anxiety. How are you going to do it? I mean, you can do it. You can force yourself, but you are going to suffer, right? And guess what? I have the solution for you. I have the solution and I have shared it a little bit. This is a magical weapon to break free from your mental barriers. It's not easy, but it is a solution. It's people. You know, my favorite quote of all times is set your life on fire and seek those who fan your flames. That quote is priceless. That is my life philosophy. And To be very exact, you need at least five people in five different areas of your life. Find five people who inspire you, move you, you know, who are ahead of you in the game in five different areas of your life. Build relationships with them. Be around them. See how they process life. And you will start changing. You don't have to label them. You don't have to ask their permission to be your mentors or to be your advisors. You can do that as well, but you don't have to. It doesn't have to be a relationship of exchange. Just be mindful of having those people around you and then you will start to see different ways of thinking and the impact of it on life. Sometimes you will like it. Sometimes you will not like it. Sometimes you will find great key takeaways for you. Sometimes you will not feel like that's your game, right? So be it. But know that if 
you don't have the right people around you in those areas of your life, then all you can do is to basically apply the mental models that you have been told about and learning for all those years. So what are those five areas and what are we looking for? What type of people we're looking for? The first one and probably most important one is your health and well-being. To me, this is a must. Find people who care and do something about their health. You know, be friends with them. You know, those people care about their physical and mental well-being. They spend time and energy to keep fit mentally and physically. If you couldn't find them, just find a PE or health coach because that's easy, you know. If you are surrounded by friends or, you know, colleagues or network who like to go for a walk, do a gym session, cook healthy, talk about good products to buy instead of, you know, poison to put in your body, it will literally change your life. It will become top of mind for you. If there's one thing that you must invest in, it's your health. That's like, it's unnegotiable, your health. And in our world, ironically, it is not easy to prioritize our health. You know, we literally have to carve time out for our health practices. So find your health bunny buddies and then become friends with them. They will put this on the top of your to-do list and it will become fun to carve that time out. It will become then a habit to carve that time out. And when your own health and well-being becomes your priority, interestingly, everything else flows much better. Okay, so that was the one. The second one is around personal development. And I guess this can be a little bit difficult to describe because it is different for everybody. But I would say in a generic way, surround yourself with people in peace, you know, people confident, full of positive energy. They are the ones who don't talk about others. Like this would be like giving you the first thing. They are the ones who are curious, interested and interesting. And they're capable of great empathy, listening and connection with others. But they also know how to set their own boundaries, which is like, to me, it's a really inspiring skill to develop. So they respect their own time and they respect others' time. They know to give and to receive. They tend to be highly self-aware and they're easy to accept their mistakes and faults and they apologize really easily. And they're really away from the accuse, blame, deny mindset. So it's really, um, it's really difficult to find them, seriously, in this world. <laughs> it's not easy. So good luck. But there are people like this out there and they actually make you good people. You know, being surrounded by those people make you a good person. So definitely find those people. The third one is easier. It's finance. So the one thing that I would say is whatever is your mindset. So if you're a you know, big spender, find people who know how to save and invest. If you are in a scarcity mindset, surround yourself with people who are not, you know, wealthy people who can talk about money without any taboos, people who see money as a mean and not an end, people who know how to earn money from money, how to invest, but also 
how to spend, you know. They see money as a life enhancer and full stop. They don't put any personal human values around money. And they like to do good stuff with their money. So find those people. Then the fourth one is about business. So your business owners, the only thing that really works in business is when you are surrounded by people who are way ahead of you. You know, find people who have exited their business, who have created great businesses, scaled their businesses, who have led people and teams. It's really important because, you know, one little golden nugget that comes from their mouth would be equivalent to years of testing and trying by yourself. Most importantly, also find those who have failed and restarted and made it happen because it's really, really empowering to hear that actually even those who made it happen failed a thousand times because then you're like, oh, I'm not the only one who who has been, you know, failing and all that. So that is the business, the fourth one. And the fifth area is, I would say, like, Something around enjoyment and, you know, life enjoyment, because life is not that serious and you need reminders of that. You know, you need those people who know when to stop, seize the moment and enjoy life. Have a bunch of them because as a business owner, we tend to overfocus, super focus and think that that's the only thing that counts and forget the real thing, which is the moment, the life that we are leading. Find those people and they will literally pull you back to those moments and they will make you feel alive. And they are great. I'm not talking about, you know, those tequila shot people, which they are fun as well. But I'm talking about those people who understand the value in living the moment and in creating those moments out of nothing, just because they just seize that moment, right? So let me tell you something. If you play a racket sport with a player who is not as good as you, you will play your worst game, okay? Because you will receive a ball that's too high, too low, whatever. You will not know how to even hit it. If you play with someone who is as good as you, you will have fun, a lot of fun. You will have a great match, etc., but you will not progress. You will progress your fitness, but your progress will be incremental because you practice, but your progress will not be mind-blowing. The only way for you to progress in a racket game is to play with players better than you. And doing that will actually change your game because your brain will learn to respond to the ball that is hit with completely different strategies, okay? And that's it. In life, it's the same, I think. Do that. Play with those who are better than you and let them pull you outwards and break free from your barriers. People are the key to break free from your barriers. So now let me ask you something. What is your first life area that you will attack in finding your person, you know? And how are you going to find this person? And how will you build a great relationship with this person? How are you going to surround yourself with those people? I'm going to leave you with this thought. 
coming to the end of this show, my friend. I hope you enjoyed it, and I look forward to connecting with you soon on one of our platforms. But come back here next week, and we're gonna have an amazing topic again. Oh, and before you log out, do me a favor and please, please, please hit the follow button for this show because this will help us find sponsors and grow the show and have amazing guests. Thank you and bye now. Well, my friend, thank you for listening to this She Is Awesome podcast. If you want to share your extraordinary story and dare to inspire others, send an email to hello at academywe.com. You can find the email address in the show notes. Well, let's meet here again next week. Take care. Bye now.